Hello, this is Rest for learning the classic philosophical work by Maimonides or Rambam called Morenevuchim, or Guide for the Perplexed. This text has been studied for centuries by great scholars, Jewish and non-Jewish alike. It seeks to reconcile Aristotelian and Neoplatonic philosophy with the Torah of our people and is considered the perfect entree for reconciling one's spiritual and rational personas. Join me for half-hour installments as we explore the text together. I'm from Thornhill, Ontario, suburb of Toronto, the Bayat. Um, we are studying Morin Vuchim, and we are broadcasting from the uh, yeshiva web, webyeshiva.org um, uh, channel on Facebook. And um, we are up to Morin Vuchim, section 1, chapter 23. The title of the shir today is Coming, Going, and Returning. Coming, Going, and Returning. Here's a, sh- a sheet if you want to be able to look on. The continuity to last week's chapter, chapter 22, was that the Rambam had explained the verb bow, or bi'ah, coming. And now he's going to explain the verb going, which is yotze. So he starts off the chapter on, on page 52 in the Pines edition, starts off by saying that going out, yitzi'ah, is the contrary of coming. So it's the converse of, of, of bia is yitzia. The term is used to denote the going out of a body, which may be a living being or not, from a place in which it rested to another place. You with us? Chapter 23. There we go. Oh, oh sorry. Okay. So, therefore... When you talk about something being yotze, it's a physical movement from being in one place and leaving that place and going to another place. You say the person left, the person was yotze. Fine. Thus, so some examples. Heim yatsu etair lo hirchiku. From Genesis 44.4, the, um, the brothers of Yosef left the city. They had not gone far. And Yosef says to whoever's in charge of his house, go and pursue those brothers of mine, those men, and uh, arrest them. Okay? Right? This is at the end of Parshat Miketz, which we're going to read in a couple of weeks. So, there the Torah says, Heim yatsu etair, they left the city. So that's the standard use of the verb yitzi'ah. Another example is for an inanimate object to leave its normal place. If a fire breaks out, which means if a fire leaves where you start it, and it goes and travels and leaves your property to another person's property and damages that person's property, so you're liable. The verb is when it goes out. Now he says, let's look at the figurative use. The term is applied figuratively to the manifestation of things that are in no way a body, completely non-physical things that manifest themselves. When something manifests, it is yotze. So let's look at an example. Thus, the word went out of the king's mouth, which is from Megillat Esther. 
It says in Megillat Esther, Hadavar Yatsami Pi HaMelech, in Esther chapter 7, verse 8, the word left the mouth of the king. Well, there's nothing physical that leaves the king's mouth. It's only words. But you can say about something that's figurative that it departs out of someone's mouth. Or, earlier in the Megillah, Megillat Esther, chapter 1, verse 17, Ki yetzei devar hamalka al kol hanafshin. When the word of Vashti, the queen, reaches all of the other women of the kingdom, it'll create a scandal, because essentially Vashti has refused to appear before you. And when that reaches all the other women, they're also going to disrespect their husbands. Okay? Next. Uh, so that, that also means the propagation of the matter. The word's going to get out. So we're not talking about anything that's actually traveling outward that you can point your finger to and say, that is something that is moving outward, but it is a shemuah, it is a tiding, it is a piece of news that goes out. Another example, kimitzion teitzei Torah. Sorry, I skipped one, huh? Um, uh, meaning the propagation of the matter. Oh, kimitzion teitzei Torah udvar Hashem Yerushalayim. Source number five from Isaiah chapter two, verse three. From out of Zion shall the Torah, shall the teaching of, of God go forth. So this is a teaching that travels, but it's something that's totally inanimate. Okay, another example, thus also, Hashemesh yatsa al ha'aretz velot ba tzo'ara. This is from Genesis chapter 19, verse 23. The sun went out upon the earth, and Lot came to the town of Tzoar. And here he says, I refer to the manifestation of the light. This does not mean, says the Rambam, that the sun left its normal place where it was before dawn. It departed from that place and came out into the sky. But rather it means that light became manifest, something inanimate. And here we should ask the question, what coerces the Rambam to say that the verb yotze in this context means something figurative and not something literal. For example, we know in, in the Tehillim, we know in the Psalms, when we talk about the sun traveling in its trajectory across the sky, the psalmist uses the verb yatsa. So for example, take a look at um, Tehillim chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. The verb yatsa is used to describe the celestial bodies, that the heavens, their line travels throughout the, uh, throughout the land. And if you take a look at the verse 6, it says, and this is in source number 7 in your sheet, describing the sun, it is like a bridegroom leaving his canopy. There it is talking about a physical object, the sun, leaving its normal place of rest below the horizon and traveling and leaving its normal place and traveling across the sky. What coerces the Rambam to say that when we talk about the story of Lot fleeing from the destroyed city of Sodom to go to the town of Tsoar, that it means that the, when it says the sun shone on the earth and Lot went to Tsoar, it says Hashemesh yatsa al haaretz, the, the sun 
emerged from upon the earth and Lot went to Tzar. He says that's figurative. It just means the light manifested itself. So the, the, the question is, you understand the question? What forces the Rambam to say this is figurative? So the answer, I believe, is, is that if we take a look at the Midrash, we will discover that the Medrash, in the Medrash Psikta, Seichel Tov, which you have in source number eight, actually tells us both explanations. That the first explanation of the Medrash, when it says, Hashemesh Yatsa al Haaretz, Klomar Heira al Haaretz, that the sun illuminated the earth. And therefore, the Medrash is saying figuratively, like the Rambam, that when something goes out, it's referring to the light of the sun emerging. Something non physical, non tangible is going out. But then the Medrash writes, and I'll just paraphrase it for the sake of brevity, the Medrash writes that when it says that the sun actually emerged from, emerged from its place into the, into the daylight sky, it was quite deliberate. And the Medrash goes in through this elaborate explanation that the day that Sodom was destroyed was the 16th of Nisan, when it is a time of equinox, and as a result, you can see in the early morning the rising sun and the setting moon. You can see both the sun and the moon in the sky at the same time in the early morning hours, okay? Which we do many times in different times of the year. And the Medrash explains that Hashem wanted the sun and the moon to be visible to the people of Sodom as it was being destroyed so that they would know that the sun and the moon were powerless as their deities unto themselves to protect them from God's destruction. Now, according to this second version of the, what the Medrash is saying, why the Torah says, Hashemesh Yatsa al Haaretz, then it is quite literal that the sun emerged, the sun left, God wanted the sun to be visible. But that's a Midrashic interpretation that the Rambam seems not to accept. And it, it seems quite clear then that what the Rambam is essentially saying is, without taking the Medrash into account, there's no rhyme or reason why the Torah should have to tell you that the sun was in the sky, moving along its trajectory, for us to know that Lot went to Tzohar. What is relevant is that it became light, the light of day shone, and that's when Lot went to Tzohar. Now, what is the relevance of that? And therefore, it's supposed to be taken figuratively, but what is the relevance of the fact that the light was already out? So here we refer you to a number of commentaries. The one that I think is most relevant to our discussion today is that of the Chumash Ha'amek Davar, written by the Nitziv, Rav Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, who explains that originally the intent of the angel was to begin the destruction of Sodom with the rising of the sun, with, with the dawn's first light. However, he couldn't, this angel, because Lot needed to first flee from Sodom. Lot was fearful of fleeing from Sodom until he saw day's light. And therefore, the angel's task was delayed as a result. And while Lot was leaving, God brought the destruction himself. So Lot really had to run very quickly. He was in a state of panic, running away very quickly from Sodom because the destruction was actually beginning as he was leaving. And that's what the Torah is describing because God had originally promised that with daybreak, stone would be destroyed, but Lot delayed that by a few moments because he only left at daybreak as well. And that's the relevance of us learning that Hashem al Haaretz, that the sun emerged. It doesn't mean that the body of the sun emerged, but rather it means that day broke. And therefore the Rambam's 
position is defended that this is a figurative term, not a literal term. Let us go on. Let's go on to the, to the next part. Every mention of going out occurring in Scripture with reference to God, may he be exalted. Now, we find that God is referred to as being Yotze. So, of course, we need to make sure, like we've done in all previous chapters, to make sure that there's no anthropomorphic attribution to God of God physically moving from one place to another. So it conforms to this figurative use. Thus, for behold, the Lord, the Lord goeth out of his place. So this is a pasuk in, uh, in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 21. Ki hinei Hashem yotzei mimekomo, that God is leaving his place. So what do, that, what do those words mean? It means like he had brought from Uncleus in the last two chapters, that it doesn't really mean that God himself is going out of his place, but sometimes the word God is shorthand for the word of God, or the Shekhinah, the divine presence of God. Here it means the decree of God, that is his decree, which at present is hidden from us, will become manifest. So therefore, the word Yotze is that it's going to become manifest, the figurative use. It doesn't mean that God himself will be manifest, but God's word will be manifest, meaning his plan, his, his uh, thinking as far as what he wants to do with us. And, and that's what Isaiah is talking about, is that lifkod avon yoshev haaretz alav, v'gilita haaretz et dameha balotechaseod al harugeha, that there will be vengeance that we brought about against all those who sinned against, against their fellow man. And I refer, therefore, he says, to the coming into being of something after it's not having existed, for everything that comes into being from God, may he be exalted, is attributed to his decree. So therefore, when it says that the word of God is yotze, it means that it comes into being, it becomes manifest. So therefore, for another example, bidvar Hashem shamayim na'asu uvarich pivchol that through the word of God, heaven was created. Now here, he's not using a verse that has the verb yotze, but what he's demonstrating is, is that the word, the word Hashem can be shorthand for Devar Hashem. And what is the Devar Hashem? That what brings about things to come into being that previously would, did not exist. So therefore, the heavens exist through the Devar Hashem. Things come into being through the Devar Hashem. And here too, when the Devar Hashem is Yotze, when the word of God it goes out, it means it becomes manifest to mankind. Okay. In this, verse, um, uh, in this verse, God's acts are likened to those that proceed from kings, whose instrument in giving effect to their will is speech. However, God, may he be exalted, does not require an instrument by means of which he could act, for his acts are accomplished exclusively by means of his will alone. Neither is there any speech at all, as shall be made clear. And this is a topic that the Rambam is going to come back to in chapter 65 of this section, where he's going to explain to us that any time the Torah says that God said, or the word of God, it doesn't literally mean that God has a mouth and vocal cords with which to enunciate words. This is a figurative meaning, because again, God has no anthropomorphic qualities. And as a result, God has no physicality. He can't speak in the way that you and I speak. And therefore, this is a figurative term for causing something to come to be. When God says, let it be, it means that God is creating it or God is causing it to come into existence. And therefore, getting back to the term yotze, inasmuch as the term yotze, as we have made clear, was figuratively applied to the manifestation of an act of God, for scripture says, for behold, the Lord goes out of his place, going back to that verse in Isaiah uh, uh, chapter 26 that we quoted before, 
the term returning is figuratively applied to the cessation of such an act, likewise brought about in virtue of God's will. So now he introduces a third verb. He started with the verb yotze. He said that the verb yotze is the, is the flip side of the verb ba, or bia. So going out is the, is the contrast, is the opposite of coming in, which is what the word bia means. Now he says that when the word yotze is used in this figurative sense referring to God, then you could also use another verb as its opposite, which is shiva, which is returning. And what that means, he basically says, is that when, some, when God's act ceases to be manifest, then God is shav limikomo. So God is yotze mimikomo, he leaves his place in order for something to be manifest, and he's shav limikomo when his manifestation ceases. Okay? So, uh, um, it says accordingly, I will go and return to my place. So where does it say that? So it says that in Hosea, Eilech ashuva el mekomi, I will return to my place, says Hashem, ad asher yeshemu uvikshu fanai, until they feel that sense of guilt and they seek out my face, says the prophet Hosea. So what the prophet is referring to is that God is basically saying, up until now, I was manifest to my people. My words and my decrees and my presence were manifest to the Jewish people. They saw divine providence. But now that they have borne sin upon themselves, I'm not going to make myself manifest to them anymore, and I will return. Return where? Return to my place. The signification of which is that the indwelling, the Shekhinah, that had been among us is removed. This removal is followed by a privation of providence as far as we, we are concerned. Okay, and in the same way, this is what the Torah means when it says, and I will hide my face from them. In other words, what the Rambam is saying is that when the Torah speaks about what we call hester panim, God hiding his face, removing his divine providence from the people, it's the same thing as God saying, I'm going back to my place in the prophet Hosea. For a privation of providence leaves one abandoned and a target the old that may happen and come about so that his ill and his will come about according to chance. So anything good or bad that happens to a person seems to be haphazard, not having any pattern of following any kind of rhyme or reason. That's what we call hester panim. And when God says, I will hide my face, he means that the world will occur haphazardly around you things will happen haphazardly, and that is a sign that I'm no longer in your presence, because when God is in our presence, we feel divine providence, we feel causes and effects happening because of good that is done or bad that is done, and then divine reward and punishment. So that's what it means when Hosea says that God says, I will return to my place. It is to this that it refers in its dictum, I will go and return to my place. That's the end of the chapter. So there are a couple of things I want to point out. First of all, we have to clarify that the Rambam is establishing two opposites. One is the opposite between Yitziah and Bi'ah, and the other one is the opposites of Yitziah and Shiva. Okay? So Yitziah and Bi'ah, it seems to me, we have many examples of this in Tanakh, talking about a person going out and coming back and, and going, going in, and coming in and going out. One of the ones that we find in the Chumash 
is at the very end of the Torah in Parshas Vayelech, Moshe says to the Jewish people, he says, I am Vayomer Alehem in, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 2, which is not a verse that the Rambam quotes. He says, Ben Moshe Rabbeinu says, I can no longer go out and I can no longer come in. What does Moshe Rabbeinu mean when he says that? Well, if we look at the context of going out and coming in, what Moshe is essentially saying is, I cannot leave this place, the desert where I am currently standing, and vilavo, and to come in with you into Eretz Yisrael. That's what Moshe is, is, is literally saying. I am no longer able to go out from where we are now, to leave with you, and to go into Eretz Yisrael, to go into the land of Israel. But then what's the word because up until now, I was able to travel with you. I was able to leave our first station in the desert and travel with you to the next station. But now I can't do that anymore. I can't travel with you anymore. Now the Rambam is creating a second contrast between two words, Yitziah and Shiva. The simplest understanding is that you don't have to say that one is for a physical body and one is used figuratively. You could say that they're both used for physical bodies as well. Here's an example of where Yodzei and, and Shuv are used as opposites for a physical body. Take a look. What does it say when Noah sends out the raven in Genesis chapter 8, verse 7, source 16? Vayishalach et ha'orev, Noah sends out the raven, vayetzei yatsov vashov. It goes out and it comes back, goes out and it comes back. So you see that the converse of Yitzia is Shiva at times, and sometimes the converse of Yitziah is Bi'ah. What's the explanation? When you leave one place A and you go to place B, that's where Bi'ah is the contrast from Yitziah. I'm leaving A to go into B. But if I'm leaving A to come and I want to go back to A, so then I am Yotze and then I am Shav. I'm returning to my original place. Now let's put it in context with God. When we've talked about God being Yotzei Vashav, it is God leaving his place and coming back to his place. Now, what do we mean by place? Okay, so this is really important because remember, and this is going to take you back a little bit, you need to turn to chapter 8. We're now in chapter 23. Go back to chapter 8 for just a moment. I have it photocopied, the relevant paragraph in chapter 8 of Morena Vuchim for you to understand what it means when we talk about God's place, because the Rambam is relying upon us to remember what he had told us in chapter 8. He says, Originally the term was given the meaning of a particular and general place. Subsequently, language extended its meaning and made it a term denoting an individual's rank and situation. And then he talks about what does it mean when we talk about it in the figurative sense, that a person occupying the place of his ancestors, or when they say the difference of opinion still subsists in its place. It is in this figurative manner that it is said, Baruch kevod Hashem mimikomo, blessed be the glory of God from his place, meaning according to his rank and the greatness of his portion in existence. God is sui generis, and therefore he's unique. And therefore, no one else can occupy the same station as God. No created entity, nothing can occupy God's station. So therefore, when we say that God is blessed in his place, it means that God is not manifest anywhere in the world 
because the station that he occupies is unique and distinct and separate from everything else that exists. And as a result, we say that God is bimikomo. When we can't detect God, we say that God is bimikomo. Right? For example, Baruch Kavod Hashem bimikomo, what we're basically saying is, is that we can't see God, we can't detect God, but we know that he is in a lofty place, that the angels are saying, blessed be God from his place. We sometimes say, like we say in the, um, in the Kedusha, Mimekomo hu yifen berachamim, that may God shine forth from his place, which basically means that we want you to leave your place of uniqueness, where you are undetectable and unknowable, and shine your glory and your benevolence upon us in this world. But that's what the Rambam means when he talks about the place of God. It is the place of uniqueness that no, nothing else occupies. So therefore, when God leaves that place, he shows that he is dwelling with us through his divine providence, that he is allowing us to feel some manifestation of him. When he goes back to his place, as the prophet Hosea says, that God will hide himself from us by going back to his place, it means that he's resuming that station that is unique and unknowable to mankind because that is really God's true essence and true station in existence, to be completely unknowable and unconnectable to anything else. But in any event, he's, he's in the Kremo. He's in his place. God is bimikomo, and sometimes he leaves his makom when he wants to make himself manifest to mankind. And when, and when he wants to hide himself from us. He's shavlimikomo. He goes back to his place. Now, I want, to, I want to also point out that the word makom can also be used figuratively in this sense with human beings as well. In the disputation that Avram had with God about this people of Sodom back in Parshat Vayera, what does it say at the end? You know, Avram argues, he says, God, maybe there'll be 50 people. You, you save it in the, in the merit of 50 righteous people. God says, no, no, no 50 righteous people. They keep, they keep negotiating until God finally says there's not even 10 righteous people. And at that point, what does, what does the Torah say? Vayelech Hashem ka'ashir kila ledaber l'Avraham, source number 17. God left after he had finished with speaking with Avram, meaning that he no longer allowed himself to be manifest to Avram in a prophetic experience. And then it says, Avraham shav limekomo, that Avraham went back to his place. Now what does that mean, Avraham went back to his place? Every human being has a place of settled, settled uh, station in equilibrium in their own mind, in their own emotional state. When I am out of sorts, what am I, what am I essentially saying? That's the English phrase, oh, he's out of sorts. He's not himself, right? What are we essentially saying? You've left that place where you feel most you, okay? So when you go back to that place, you go back to where you belong, you're yourself again. So when it says, Avram shav why was Avram out of sorts when he heard about the impending destruction of Sodom? It's because he said, you are the God of justice. You are the God of mercy. How could such a God be so apparently cruel to destroy an entire city of men, women, and children without sparing them in the merit of a few righteous people? And God says, because there's no one righteous there. Once Avram understands 
the system of God's justice and, and acknowledges and recognizes and accepts that he is just even in his act of destroying Sodom, Avram is able to return to his place, to go back in, in a figurative sense to that state of settledness where he understands and appreciates God as he had done before. So that's all part and parcel of, okay, the contrast between going out and then coming into a new place versus going out and returning back to the original place. It could either refer to something physical, but in the, con- in the context of Hashem himself, and sometimes in other contexts, it refers to going out and leaving the place which is unique, your station where you belong, which is in God's, uh, ter- in God's context, it's the unknowable God. God goes out of that place in his mercy and allows himself to be perceived by man. And then when God is shavli mekomo, God goes back to that place, he makes himself no longer knowable to man. That's called Hester Panim. So, since Hashem is everywhere, it's a, and maybe it's his allowing us to see when he wants to that the, the manifestation goes out, like the Shekhinah goes That's exactly out. what the Rambam is saying. Not the Shekhinah, but a manifestation of God's justice. When you can see cause and effect in the world, you see justice taking place in the world, that's a manifestation of God. The so, Devar Hashem, that's what he's saying. So isn't, isn't, I, I, so, I mean, isn't there a subjective quality to that? Because he, he even says, uh, the, the, the removal is followed by a privation of providence as far as we are concerned. So the, our ability to see Yad Hashem, yeah. Right is is totally subjective. I mean, it, 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 some people see it in some things, some people don't, and and maybe that. Correct. What I was going to say is maybe that relates to the thing about Abraham, that when this idea of going back to the place you're comfortable, but right, is very subjective. I mean, I, I, you know, that, correct. So, so we it, it is it is subjective. Some people can see a miracle right. in a world event, and some people don't see the miracle in the world event. Sometimes it takes a prophet to tell you that there is a paradigm shift taking place. Whereas up until now, you should have made note of God's presence among you. Right. You should have been, been uh, aware that you were miraculously winning wars and people were being punished on the spot for sins and people were being rewarded on the spot for mitzvot. Now you're not going to see that anymore. So sometimes a prophet has to make a sort of like a, uh, a demarcation that this is taking place. Why are we compelled to say that Abram just didn't go when we see Abram show them clever? Because, because it could of, look. Lots, it, lots of the beings were in altered states, and it didn't say show them clever. That's right. That's right. So, but I that's you had altered state, and now he goes back to where he was. It wasn't an altered state due to prophecy. It was an altered state due to his discomfort with the the fact that he couldn't understand divine justice. I don't understand God. How can you do this? It was questioning God. And when it says Shavli Makomo, he was reconciled. He finally had that reconciliation of finally understanding what God's system was. Okay, we'll hold it here for today. Have a great one.